You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue, the fall Zoom Room edition this time. And it's my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast from the Boiler Breakdown podcast, Tanner Lee. And joining us this time, uh, Purdue legend, I'll call him, Kyle Charters. <laughs> uh, Kyle has been on the podcast, of course, before when we did a, a baseball, uh, the Charters Brothers episode back uh, in the spring. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you guys on again. Thanks for having me, Adam. Always fun to be on. Purdue legend is a first for me, so I will try to uh, try to live up to that. That's uh, that's a lot. Should I adjust and say Purdue media legend? Because you know, I think <laughs> people know the name Kyle Charters. If they follow Purdue sports, they know Kyle Charters, right? <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. Hey, and I thank you guys uh, for being on. Uh, it's kind of a spontaneous uh, kind of thrown together uh, for tonight, last minute. So I appreciate you guys and your flexibility and uh, willingness to to do this. Well, let's talk some uh, Purdue sports. Of course, let's just start here. It's it's bucket week. So it's obviously, if you're a Purdue football fan, it's an exciting and an important week uh, for uh, everybody who's a, you know, Purdue around the Purdue football program. So let's, let's start there. Let's talk about how big this week is uh, for Purdue. Obviously, as far as implications in the Big Ten West and possibly representing uh, the Big Ten in the Big Ten championship game, we need a little bit of help from the from uh, Nebraska on Friday. Uh, but let's just talk about this week, your thoughts going into the bucket game. Well, Kyle, we'll start with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a big week. I mean, these bucket games always seem to have a lot of meaning. I think this one has a lot more meaning. I think that it becomes a more intriguing week because of what Indiana did last week at Michigan State and, and coming back uh, and winning that game. I think it would have been really easy for the Hoosiers to sort of pack it in being down 17 points with six minutes to go. It shows me that they're willing still to, to put up a fight here at the end of the season. And I think if you're Tom Allen also, you know, winning five games this year, a year after winning two games last year, even though it would come with a seven game losing streak would come um, would be a, a, a welcome improvement, I think. So this game means a lot for Indiana and obviously for the reasons you laid out means a lot. Uh, for the Boilermakers as well. And so um, I think it'll be a good game. It'll be a, a competitive game. I think that, uh, you know, Purdue we've seen has not put teams away this year. I looked it up. Seven of the 11 games this season have been decided by a possession. I think eight of them, 10 points or less. So really there have not been very many that have been blowouts. And I would anticipate that, that this weekend uh, on Saturday will be another close one again. Yeah, especially on the road. Tanner, your thoughts? Yeah, kind of piggyback, piggybacking off what Kyle just said there, I anticipate a close game. I was talking with a coworker of mine that's Indiana grad, Indiana fan. He thinks uh, Purdue's going to steamroll over him. I said, I <laughs> wouldn't be so sure about that. So you haven't watched Purdue very closely. I said, <laughs> um, I expect a tight game. I think the last time I saw the line was 10 points in Purdue's favor, so – I don't know if I'd hit that or not. I don't know. We'll see come come Saturday how I'm feeling. But, um, yeah, I mean, growing up around the bucket game, it's, it's a huge game. I grew up around it. I was uh, kind of spoiled. My first bucket game ever was in 2000. Uh, so the Rose Bowl clincher, the Big Ten clincher, I should say. So spoiled to go to that one and um, had many, many memories of the, of the rivalry ever since. And we all have family and friends, I'm sure, that – are Hoosiers and, and of course, Boilermakers. So really looking forward to it. Um, should, should be a good one. Yeah, for sure. I was, that was a question I was going to ask too. your favorite, uh, your favorite bucket game memory. And uh, is that your, I assume that's your favorite if you're just mentioning that. I would say either that one, or um, I had the um, opportunity to be a Purdue football manager for two years while I was at school. And one of those years was 2012. Uh, it ended up being coach Danny Hope's last game. Uh, beat Indiana to become bowl eligible. So that was pretty cool too, being on the sidelines. And uh, I remember the most memorable part of that game for me was Robert Marv threw an interception on the goal line. And on a torn ACL, he ran down the uh, defense. I think it was a linebacker, the defensive player, and tackled him. And I know everybody on the sidelines was like, oh, well, his knee's definitely gone now. But <laughs> he got up and trotted back, was just fine. And pract seemed practicing and played in the heart, heart of Dallas Bowl. So. Yeah. How about you, Kyle? We won't mention that Heart of Dallas Bowl. Thank you. Outcome um, <laughs> here on what is the anniversary of uh, 
of JS, JFK's assassination, um, which I, I was down there for that bowl game and, and stayed right there uh, near Dealey Plaza, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I was I, I one of the few games that I've attended uh, as a fan over the years was the 2000 uh, bucket game. I, I was there uh, shirtless as a, <laughs> uh, as a Purdue senior. You can actually, uh, I'll give you a peek uh, from the, <laughs> the central Michigan game of that year. If you want to get a look at uh, the ridiculous <laughs> costumes that we wore, that we also uh, wore, we wore those all season um, me and some friends. And uh, I was the managing editor of the Purdue exponent at the time. Uh, so really wasn't involved directly in sports coverage. So I got to be a fan uh, for one of the, the rare times in my life. Uh, so I remember that one, but also, you know, Joe Tiller's, last game um that was very memorable obviously uh, purdue wasn't very good that year but really laid the wood uh to the hoosiers and and uh that was an emotional time for him and for purdue obviously uh there are some others but those are really you know the two two major ones i think my first bucket game i think unless i went sometime and i'm just not remembering it but i believe was the 1994 game in ross aid where Mike Allstott and Alex Smith, just two bad teams, Purdue and Indiana that year, I think probably combined for about five wins, but had two really good running backs. Uh, and Allstott and Smith just ran up and down the field. I think Smith had 260-something yards uh, for Indiana in that game. And Allstott, obviously, in his junior year was really good. So that was a that was a, that was was a a fun one. But the ones that stand out, obviously, that, you know, as a fan being there for the the Rose Bowl uh, season and Montreal Lowe, I think ran the same play over and over again, yeah. 30 times, I think in that game. And then for Tiller's, you know, last game, which was memorable for different reasons, but, yeah. but pretty exciting. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you there too. I mean, 2000 was my first bucket game as well as a sophomore at Purdue. So, and my brother, older brother is an IU grad came to that game with me. So that was kind of fun uh, with the IU fan there. Uh, having to endure that beating that we gave them and then making him uh, rush the field with me as well. So that was fun. <laughs> uh, 2008, of course, yeah, with Taylor last game. And then and then for me too, just personally, 2018 was special too because of the Tyler Trent uh, getting to be a captain for that game as well on the road for that game as well. So yeah, it sounds like we're kind of on board with the same ones there. Obviously, those stick out for uh, several different reasons. So hopefully we'll make this year another uh, memorable one. And uh <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about uh, before we move on to you know basketball or anything like that. With this weekend, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> I've been a college football fan for a number of years now, and, and Nebraska is up there as some of my as one of my least favorite college football <laughs> programs ever. And now I got to be a huge fan for them on Friday. You guys think they have any chance to beat Iowa? Well, they they will play the game, so they have a chance. Uh... <laughs> You know, I, I suppose if Nebraska scores, like if Casey Thompson plays really well and Nebraska can put 24, 27 points on the board somehow against that Iowa defense, then perhaps that gives them a little bit of a chance. I think if it's a, if it's a low-scoring game, if it's in the teens, you know, Iowa seems to just find a way. I mean, man, Minnesota last weekend had that game that game won. I mean, it was yep. over. They just don't turn the ball over. They kick a field goal with four minutes to go or whatever. And, and then, you know, Spencer Petrus is going to have to drive them 40 yards to get in the field goal range. And, you know, more than that to win the game, it's, man, it's just Iowa finds a way you've got to give uh, the Hawkeyes credit for that. So I think if the game against Nebraska stays in the teens to 20, I just, I, I think I will find a way to win it. If, if Nebraska can score, they can win the game. Yeah. But that's that's not, that is the question. Can, can Nebraska score? Yeah, Tanner, anything to add to that? Yeah, I'm not trying to get my hopes up too much. I was texting one of my friends who's a diehard Nebraska fan last night. I said, okay, we need you to come through this week. And he said, you can about guarantee it's going to be a one-possession game and Nebraska will find a way to lose in the most dramatic fashion because that's how that rivalry has been going the last few years. Um but, yeah, I'm with Kyle there. If Casey Thompson can get it going, if Nebraska can jump on him early, maybe it'll be too much for Iowa to overcome. And it was gut-wrenching last week to watch Minnesota fumble that game, literally, away. And uh, it's just like Purdue or Minnesota not to help Purdue in, in any sort of athletics. It's just that's kind of how the trend goes. Yeah. So, but, uh, no, it's it's 
it's one of those situations, usually when you put yourself in a situation, you need help from another team, whether it be the, by them losing or them winning, it usually doesn't turn out very well, more times than not. So, but uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe um, Nebraska will pull the upset. And, and and on the flip side, though, that could really fire up IU too. If if they know going into that game, they have a have a chance to ruin Purdue's season. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. that's true. Hopefully Nebraska plays some inspired football for their interim head coach. You know, if they really like him and want him to stay, maybe they win one for the old Gipper and <laughs> rally behind him to help help him get the job or something. I don't know. But what do you guys think about the fact that it's on Friday? Is that does that help you knowing that we'll go into Saturday's game knowing what's at stake, whether it's just you know maintaining the bucket or playing for the the division? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, from a fan perspective, it certainly makes it a little bit more intriguing. And that'll be a wild atmosphere in Bloomington if uh, Nebraska wins the day before. I know there are a lot of people who are sort of hinging their decision-making on whether they're going to travel down uh, from the Purdue area to to Bloomington to watch that game based on what Nebraska does and what Iowa does on on Friday. It'll create a crazy atmosphere, I think. And uh, I, I do think you're right. I mean, I think that if Nebraska does win that game, you know for sure that Indiana is going to show up to play. That is their Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but also then so much at stake for the Boilermakers. It, it makes it uh, it makes it a big game. It makes it one of the bigger games really in series history. I mean, you could go back to, you know, the Anthony Thompson game in 89, you know, Purdue needing to beat Indiana, sort of the reverse, I guess. Purdue needing to beat Indiana to keep the Hoosiers out of a bowl game and to keep, you know, Thompson from padding his resume for – for the Heisman, um, it would have that kind of feel, I think, um, the chance for Indiana to really create a, a, a huge upset in the state and, and make some noise for themselves again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what we do know is that state is maintaining the bucket in West Lafayette, and uh, I would assume a win maybe helps improve their bowl resume as well. Kyle, you're a lot more of an expert on that than I am. Will that make a difference as far as win or loss? Where they go. I think it could. I, I think the thing that the thing that hurts Purdue probably in that bowl selection is that if Iowa wins, then Iowa is clearly ahead of Purdue in that selection. And it probably prevents Purdue from going to Florida. Mm-hmm. Now, if Nebraska wins and Purdue wins and Purdue gets in that championship game, I think there would then be a chance for Purdue. Uh, to get to Florida, but uh, the way it looks to me, if everything plays out the way we sort of would expect it or the way Vegas expects it to play out uh, this weekend, I would think Purdue would be maybe in that mayonnaise bowl, uh, perhaps, and, and you know, just a slot out of uh, playing in, in Florida, which would be, you know, I, I, a little bit of a disappointment, I think. But uh, look, when you we look at all things considered this season, um, to win a share. And I assume, I, I don't even know this. Does I don't know. You guys know this. If you win a share of the big 10 West, you, you probably still get a little trophy, right? You put Maybe. that. I, I assume yeah, I so. Think, though, right? I assume so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang the banner. Share. <laughs> so, I mean, Purdue would take that. I sure. think and that's a pretty big accomplishment. I think for you consider where Purdue was uh, just a few years ago. And I watched every one of those games. Mm-hmm. Was that very many of them. Um, <laughs> It's pretty good to be where Purdue is yeah. right now. The first time this if Purdue wins one more game, it'll be the first time since 97, 98 that Purdue has won 17 games in a two season uh, window. Wow. Uh, so it's been a while. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, Purdue could actually, you know, if, if they get the right opponents could win a couple more games Yeah. this year. I don't think they'll win three more, um, but uh, they could win a couple more perhaps. For sure. Well, let's park there real quick. You're talking about the success and what Jeff Brom has helped do for this program over the last several years now. I know this is a discussion that kind of comes up every year. I kind of get tired of it, but it is, it does happen. Jeff Brom, you know, his name's always going to float out there with other jobs. I've even heard it now starting to flow with NFL jobs. Mm-hmm. Is Jeff Brom the head coach of Purdue football next season? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh I mean, I think, you know, I, I think we're going to go through this uh, again. Now, it's been a couple of years uh, since we went through the the Louisville cycle the last time, I think. Um, but I, I think there's a chance we're going to suffer uh, through through that again. And I honestly don't know what the outcome will be. Obviously, uh, Purdue feels really comfortable 
with his coaching situation, Jeff Brom has done a, done a great job uh, at Purdue. And I know some people get frustrated with, you know, losing a game to Iowa that you're favored in at home and, you know, not playing very well in that game. And the frustration is clearly understandable. Uh, but I think when you look at the big picture, you know, like I said earlier, Purdue with a chance to to win 17 or 18 games in a, in a two-year span, which isn't done around here very often, um, just the way he's re-energized the program, um, you know, Purdue had what 12,000 people in the stands down the stretch for the, the Daryl Hazel era. And now they average what 50, what was the number? 57, 59, like it was, um, thousand per, per game. I mean, that's really impressive. So he has brought energy back to the program and uh, has Purdue winning games and Purdue does well as an underdog, uh, which is sort of always bad's history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, he has sort of embraced that and, and Purdue has continued to, to play that kind of role. And uh, I don't think you can, you know, I don't think you can easily replace that. It's been, yeah, it's been uh, imperative to getting uh, Purdue back as a figure in, in the big 10 again. And it, you know, it just, it was not uh, for uh, a, a number of years, uh, to say the least. So I, you know, I, I can't answer your question. I don't know what happens after after this season. I, I do think that we will uh, go through this once again a little bit uh, with Louisville, whether it's this year or next or the next year after that. I think it's going to be a a story that never quite goes away, yeah. as long as Jeff Brom is still the coach at Purdue. Yeah. What do we, What do you think, Tanner? Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of things Kyle said. I I would hate to see him leave. I think he's been the perfect fit for Purdue. Now, uh, do I agree with everything he does all the time? Absolutely not, but uh, but that's all right. Um, And I've I've been a closet Louisville fan this year. I've been rooting for Louisville (laughs) every game. Uh, We'll see how they do against Kentucky because if they beat Kentucky, they're going to be eight and four. Uh, That's a pretty good season for Scott Satterfield, and he's got a really good recruiting class coming in, uh, including the number one ranked running back. In, in all of um, all of the U.S., uh, so I don't know. Maybe that makes uh, Satterfield safe for one more year. But like Kyle said, if it's not this year, you probably go through it next year. Yeah. I think it's a thing that's going to hang over uh, Purdue's head for quite a while. But uh, also, I'm the type of fan that when other jobs come open, I start thinking, well, could they make a swing at Jeff Brom? You know, I'm <laughs> seeing I'm seeing the Lane Kiffin to Auburn rumors, and then I got to thinking last night, would Ole Miss be a place to come swing at Jeff Brom? I don't know. I don't know how he would fit down in Mississippi, but he, he's a Kentucky guy. So I guess you're kind of getting down there in SEC country, even though he was with Louisville. Um, so Louisville's the main one though. I've been nervous about, and it's one I've come, I came to terms with a, a few months ago where if he was to leave, I wouldn't like it, but I would understand it. Mm-hmm. The timing wasn't right in 2018. Maybe he feels like he's done everything he can at Purdue, uh, especially with USC and UCLA coming in and maybe the, the, the division's getting shaken up here in the next couple of years. Um, so we'll see how it pans out. I sure hope he stays a uh, coach of Purdue, at least going into 2023 though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Like you said, Kyle, we're, we're going to have to deal with this every year probably. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, the Colts are looking for a coach too. Who knows if they just go an hour up North of 65, and <laughs> see if there's any interest. Of course, I know Harbaugh's name gets mentioned every year too, with an NFL opening as well. So, all right, well, we'll hopefully he'll stick around. The consistency too, I'm with, you know, what Tanner said, there's certainly been some frustrations, you know, with maybe play calling or discipline that has cost us arguably maybe a game or two this year as well. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, like uh, Kyle said, I mean, what he's done for this program the last several years has been remarkable and it's a whole lot different than what Tanner and I have talked about before, what the stands have looked like uh, <laughs> around your time as a student. So yeah, yeah, we, we gotta be grateful, especially Thanksgiving week, right? We gotta be, we gotta right. be thankful for what we have right yeah. now. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, let's move on to, unless you guys have any more thoughts on football, let's, uh, let's move on to basketball here a little bit. The start of the season is off to a pretty solid start, I'd say. And then we got the huge uh, Phil Knight legacy tournament in Portland kicking off on uh, Thanksgiving or tipping off, I should say, <laughs> tipping off on Thanksgiving. Uh, your thoughts on the young season so far for basketball. Tanner, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised by the uh, newcomers on Purdue's team. I mean, of course, when you if you follow um, Brian Newbert and the great staff at Golden Black, uh, you've kind of you followed the hype of uh, Braden Smith coming in, even Fletcher Lawyer, knowing they were going to start. But I didn't think they would uh, 
they would impact games like they have already. I mean, that Marquette game last week, if Braden Smith doesn't go on that mini run by himself, I don't think Purdue wins that game. Now, Zach Eady was awfully dominant in that second half, but uh, Braden Smith's already a fan favorite. You can tell, and he's one of those guys that's going to be hated by the other 13 teams in the Big Ten and their fan bases, and that's great. Purdue needs a guy like that. I honestly think that's what was missing from Purdue's team last year. They were one of the more talented Purdue basketball teams I'd ever seen, but they just didn't have that that dog in them, per se, at times. And I think maybe this team will. Um, I mean, they're definitely going to take their lumps. They're going to lose some games they shouldn't lose, but they'll probably win some games they shouldn't win. Um, and just to come back, I think they were down seven, if not nine points at one time in the second half to Marquette. Um, I was really pleased with the defensive effort. Uh, Marquette went for a five-minute stretch without scoring a bucket. I mean, that was something we didn't see very often out of Purdue last year. So, And Purdue showed his depth the other day. I mean, uh, Brandon Newman uh, had a couple turnovers. He saw the bench. Mason Gillis Mason Gillis didn't play his best. Sees the bench. But you see guys like uh, Waddell come in, um, Trey Kaufman-Wren, Caleb first. I mean, when you can go nine to ten guys deep, that really helps, and that's going to help come Big Ten play, assuming they keep that uh, large of a man rotation and don't cut it back a little bit. But uh, been pleasantly surprised with a with a nice undefeated start, and I'm looking forward to this uh, PK Invitational. When, whenever you're in a three-game Invitational, always want to win at least two. You win two, feel pretty good, especially with the caliber of teams they're going to be facing. But uh, really looking forward to it. Wish it wasn't such a late start on Thanksgiving, <laughs> but but I'll make sure to get my post-Thanksgiving nap in before the two-game <laughs> tips. So. There you go. What, what do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was impressive what Purdue did against Marquette at home. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that Purdue wins that game last year. And I, I, I say that because I don't know that Purdue plays – that well defensively down the stretch against Marquette. And I don't know that Purdue doesn't have a couple of bad turnovers down the stretch. Now the potential and the ceiling for last year's team, probably higher than, than this year's team, at least as we stand right now, now maybe this Purdue team right now exceeds our expectation and exceeds our, our ceiling that we have arbitrarily uh, uh, given them. But um, yeah, it was, it was impressive. I, you know, one guy that stands out to me, um, you know, just a guy that Tanner didn't mention is, is David Jenkins Jr. I, I, I think that he has brought a certain maturity to that backcourt and helped those two young guys out. Um, I think he has a little bit of, a little bit of swagger to him, um, which is good. I think that he, uh, for a for a guy who's new, seems to embrace sort of being a, a leader out there um, a little bit, which is hard to do when you've been around for like three months, right? So, uh, but he's traveled around. Uh, this is his third team. So maybe he sort of adjusted to the idea of, of being the new man on campus, but also, you know, influencing things. But I, I, I think that he has been a real positive uh, addition to produce backward sort of with those two young guys, you can turn maybe in a little bit of a different direction. And, and Matt Painter showed a willingness there late in that game to use a little bit of a different lineup. I mean, he had mm-hmm. two ball handlers. David Jenkins really isn't a point guard, but has played well uh, as a ball handler and out there with Smith. And then bringing Brian Waddell in as a, a, a defensive player because I, he's a guy he trusts and doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes and will get the ball in the right spots. And so it was a little bit, uh, you know, Purdue sort of, uh, you know, manufactured its way to that win. It pulled a Matt Painter pulled a lot of the right strings, and the, he also let those guys play. Uh, I don't know how many offensive sets Purdue actually ran in that game, uh, especially in the first half. It was just a little bit of a a cluster, right, where guys were just going to get their own shots, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you do also want them to run offense on occasion. I think they did a little bit in the second half. They settled down a little bit and and figured out some things against that press for Mark Pett and we're able to, you know, play some half court offense, but uh, he let him play too. I mean, you know, the, the two shots that Braden Smith hit are, are not really in the offense. They're just going to get shots. Yeah. And that's pretty impressive from a, a young freshman um, to be able to, to do that and rise to the occasion on that instance. It's, it's a, uh, it was, it was fun to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. A gutsy performance for sure. Thinking off a couple of things you guys just said, you, you know, Tanner used that word dog. And that's, I think of David Jenkins Jr. When I hear that word, I mean, like you were talking, Kylie, this guy comes in, he's not afraid. He's got experience. He takes those young guys under their, their wing. 
And how, how about that to have a guy like that coming off your bench? I mean, you talk Brandon Newman and Jenkins could both be starters. And yet, I mean, that, that's great to have those guys coming off your bench. And the, yeah, the defense, I think, is certainly better this year. You talked about the expectations of the ceiling. You know, I'm not saying this team's going to the Elite Eight, but it reminds me similar of those expectations coming off, you know, 2018 or whatever when the four seniors mm-hmm. graduate. Yeah, we had Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein go off in the tournament, but I mean, expectations were a little down. We got off to a rough start actually that season, and then you know, make it to the Elite Eight should have went to the Final Four, but we won't park there for too long. <laughs> uh, this season too, I mean, these guys could you know these young guys could play not afraid, and then you got the experience of guys like Jenkins and of course Zach Eady and Gillis, those guys and the guys that can help take you far. Yeah, and it was nice, too, to for a Matt Painter to cut the head off the snake that is Shaka Smart. You know, he kind of <laughs> did it to Chris Beard in the tournament last year, finally did it to Shaka. I don't know who's next. Like, I was trying to think the other night of who the next coach could be. That's really gave him a lot of problems that he hasn't beat yet. I couldn't couldn't come up with one. I'm sure there's one I'm not thinking of. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you guys brought up David Jenkins because I knew I was forgetting somebody in my head. And I couldn't picture who it was, and it was definitely David Jenkins. who I think he's actually on his fourth college. Yeah, yeah, there might be a smaller college in there as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Either way, he's a, he's a, he's called Uncle David for a reason. Yeah. He's the old man <laughs> on the team. So. Yeah, when I was talking to Rob Blackman for my preview, I can't remember if he said it was his third or fourth side, but I know he had fought, at one point followed a coach from one college to another because I know there was like these misconceptions this summer that this guy can't, you know, might be a locker room issue because he can't stick around. But there are, I guess, legitimate reasons for his switching. And then, you know, Purdue comes calling, you know, if you're at UNLV and Purdue comes calling, I probably take that call pretty seriously <laughs> you know not not to knock UNLV or anything like that or Utah I'm sorry Utah is that where he was at last year but anyway um well we kind of you kind of mentioned that word ceiling I mean this is going to be a good measuring stick I think these next what two weeks really you got this tournament with some really good teams especially if you get to if you win if you win Thursday night and get to play Gonzaga on on Friday that's huge potential I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves potential to play Duke sometime in that, on, on Sunday maybe and then, of course, you got to turn around, come home for like a day before flying down to Tallahassee and then turn around and get ready for two and two days later or so or a few days later for the Big Ten opener against Minnesota. That's a tough stretch and it's going to be tough, but I think it's going to be good for them in the long haul to kind of to measure where they're really at and how they're going to be able to handle big games in short time periods. What do you guys think? I don't I don't think Matt Painter loves that schedule. Probably I, not. I think he was real <laughs> fond of being matched up again with Florida state yeah, the quick turnaround being matched up with Marquette again and that game. And it just feels like we're just, you know, doing the, the same thing over and yeah. over again here. Uh, but I do agree with you. I, you know, I will learn more about what Purdue is here over the next uh, week and a half. It was nice to beat Marquette obviously, but I, you know, tweeted during the game and I believe it. Uh, that game was good for Purdue win or lose. I mean, mm-hmm you felt like they were getting a real uh, crash course in, in, you know, big time basketball with, with the kind of team and Shaka, the, the, the tiny team that he puts together that are, you know, big and long and, and athletic and can hit some shots and are physical. And it was the exact recipe for the kind of team that Purdue loses to. And uh, you know, they they were able to to get a win in that instance. I think it probably gives them a, a, a ton of credit. You know, West Virginia, I don't know a lot about the personnel on this uh, West Virginia team, but it's going to be built similarly. Uh, um, and then obviously, you know, Gonzaga, Duke, whoever they play after that are, are just going to be good teams. But, um, you know, proof schedule here is uh, built to, to test um, what perhaps some of these teams' weaknesses will be in. At least for step one, um, you know, Purdue has a, a, a passing grade. Florida State has not played very well, uh, but they seem to play well at home against Purdue. <laughs> and, and the turnaround will be extreme for the Boilermakers. So I don't think that's an easy one either, really, just given all the circumstances. So uh, a nice week and a half here for Purdue or week or whatever it is for Purdue to see, sort of see where it is here in late November. Yeah. Tanner, anything to add to that? Yeah, um, yeah. as far as scheduling goes, I remember just being frustrated when the ACC Big Ten matchups came out. I'm like, really, Florida State again? Let's just pencil them in every year. I mean, it's four out of the last five years. I know it hasn't been in the challenge every year, but there's been other non-conference tournaments. But uh, like Kyle said, they're off to a bad start, but that 
that won't mean anything come next week. It's going to be a grinder. Um, and Marquette was a great win. Once again, though, I thought it was lazy booking. I wanted to see a Butler-Purdue matchup. I know Crossroads, we've seen that a bunch, but I thought the Eric Hunter storyline could have been cool coming back to Purdue because they were due a road game. They end up playing at Penn State. But it is what it is. But in all, all in all, this the schedule is setting up to where Purdue's tested in different ways. Marquette, long and lengthy. West Virginia's going to grind you. They're gonna, they're Bob Huggins' team. They're going to they're gonna press you big time. I'm not too familiar with their personnel, personnel as well. Um, besides, they did get the Iowa transfer. Uh, Toussaint is on their team, the guy I'm pretty familiar with. I don't believe he starts either. So that's any indication. West Virginia might have a lot of, a lot of talent this year. And then Gonzaga, they got a little bit of everything. And if you're facing Duke, the same thing. And then Florida State's another long and athletic team. So so definitely a good test for the young team. And then, like you said, then Big Ten play starts with the uh, two-game set of uh, Minnesota and Nebraska, which on paper looks like the Big Ten did Purdue a favor, but that's on paper. Games <laughs> aren't won on paper. So, um, yeah, looking looking forward to the next couple of weeks just to see where uh, Purdue stacks up with some of these really good teams. Yeah, Minnesota had to eke one out this week against – yeah, California Baptist overtime, wasn't it last night? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, of course, what's worth. Yeah, but like Tanner mentioned earlier, Minnesota never helps us out, right? <laughs> <laughs> They'll come in and play like, uh, you know, I don't know, come out firing on that game or whatever. Anyway, Davis uh, Battle is not playing yet, so maybe, uh, maybe that'll be the first game he. Oh, probably. Uh, player maybe you're most excited to watch this year on the team? Outside of the obvious ones? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, one guy we haven't mentioned a whole lot that I, I think has made a, a ton of improvements is Brandon Newman. Um, you know, even in the Marquette game, you wouldn't list him off as one of the stars of the game necessarily. Uh, but, man, he he made some big plays. I mean, he's so much more focused on the defensive end. He had eight rebounds in that game. I looked up at the scoreboard. I thought he had about seven or eight in the first five minutes he was in there, and somehow it was only three. So I'm not sure if he didn't get shorted a couple or, mm-hmm. or you know, it just looked like he was all over the place. Yeah. But, um, you know, a guy that is embracing his role now when that was a little bit more difficult for him to do in years past. He could be starting, you know, very easily right now, and he, and he isn't, but that doesn't seem to be bothering him all that much. He seems to play well with David Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's playing hard on defense. He's in the right spots. He's, you know, taking shots mostly within the flow of the mm-hmm. offense. I mean, there's still Brandon Newman type things that he does, but, uh, on a, on a Purdue team that sort of needs finishers, I think, I mean, it needs guys that, that are going to go hunt for their shot a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's good maybe that, that, uh, Brandon Newman does that. I don't mind if you, if a guy takes, you know, one or two shots out of sequence a couple times a game, um, you know, to me. That's not that big a deal. And yeah. so you might get that from him. He took one against Marquette that was sort of along the baseline, sort of fade away. He made it. So, you know, you'll take that too from him. But uh, I've been impressed by what we have seen out of him um, just in his approach and accepting the role and coming off the bench and making an impact in more ways than just trying to score it. Yeah, sure. I agree. And I think Tanner and I've had this discussion too on the podcast uh, how hap- happy I am for him and how much we wanted to see him succeed this year, especially a guy who a lot of people maybe expected to skip town last year. He stuck, he stuck it out. And so, yeah, to see him succeeding and continue to get better is awesome. Yeah. I'm going to go with two guys. Um, now that I'm a Fort Wayne resident, I feel like I got to pick two Fort Wayne guys or I'm going to hear it from some people. Um <laughs> For the Homestead freshman, uh, Fletcher Lawyer, of course. I, I think he'll have his up and downs this year. I know a lot of people I saw online were getting frustrated with him missing three free throws. I don't think that's going to happen too often. I think he's going to be a pretty good free throw shooter. Just just one of those off nights. But he already showed the ability of hitting some tough shots. He takes some sometimes when he's not even open. Um, but I think he'll have nights. He'll hit five, six, maybe, maybe even seven threes. Maybe not this year, but eventually in his career. And then uh, Caleb first. Uh, you know, he's been an up and down roller coaster a little bit during his time at Purdue. He started off the year really good last year, then had COVID and never really was the same player after that. Um, even during Marquette the other night, you know, he takes that three pointer, it was an ugly miss. Uh, you're thinking, oh man, you know, he hasn't done much this game, but then he has that good dunk, which was a which was a heck of a play and a heck of a pass. 
uh, that's to set up that dunk. And then he has that block shot, which was just all hustle. Mm-hmm. I mean, for him to uh, leap not and not foul the shooter. Um, so I'm really anxious to see how his season's going to go because more more times than not, he'll probably be coming off the bench. But another guy that I think is very talented and can accept that role. And um, I think that's what's going to help Purdue. I think the guys accepting their roles, especially the guys coming off the bench, I mean, when you can play nine to ten guys, that's going to be crucial. Yeah, for sure. I, I love Caleb. And yeah, I, I love our bench. <laughs> I love all these guys coming off our bench. And I know Tanner, you mentioned earlier, we'll see how long Painter goes nine, 10 deep. If he, you know, keeps with that all season, but I love our second unit. And I think it's a unit you can trust bringing in the game because it's such a mix of uh, shooters, defenders, experience, non-experience. Like, so, I mean, the fact that like uh, Kyle mentioned earlier, they're trusting uh, Brian Waddell and clutch, uh, clutch minutes there at the end of that Marquette game. I think says a lot for how deep this team is and the trust that painter has in 10 players deep. So, and I'm with you on Fletcher. I think, you know, he's got to keep shooting, shoot or shoot, right. You got to, yep. you know, you know, two out of seven, maybe not what you want from three point range, but that'll get better. And, you know, you got to shoot your way out of that as well and keep shooting the ball. Um, I'm excited to see you. I talked about this a little bit on my basketball preview with Rob and Bob, but uh, just Ethan Morton now finally getting that starting role and what he'll get getting, the minutes he probably would have gotten if he wasn't behind Jaden Ivey last year, but uh, just to see what he does this year as a starter. And then I'm just really interested in, in Trey Kaufman runs development this year. I mean, the guy who was what runner up for uh, Mr. Basketball in Indiana took that redshirt last year. There was, I know a lot of hype uh, behind him going into the season and the development and the, the versatility of him haven't quite maybe seen it fully yet, but I think, you know, obviously it's still young, in the season. So those are a couple of guys. I'm also excited to just to see how the season unfolds for those guys. Yeah. I like, I liked uh, Morton's confidence at the end of the game the other day to knock down those two free throws. He kind of looked at the bench and kind of nodded like I got this now. He barely, he barely even hit the, hit the, hit the net. I mean, they just went right through. And then uh, Trey Kaufman ran, you could tell Rafferty was a big fan of his on the commentary against Marquette. So, I mean, he, he didn't blow you away with the stats, but you can tell he's, he's got to be a good one. Yeah. Another guy in Kaufman Rand who who wants the ball and wants to score, which I think, you know, is a, is a good trait to have, you know, when you've got guys like Ethan Morton who want to be able to distribute it and, you know, a lot of guys out there who who want to be able to pass the ball occasionally need somebody down in there in the post who wants to be able to get it and go get a bucket. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it seems like that sort of trays MO a little bit, which is good. I mean, you know, he's going to get more opportunities as he gets more experience, and I think he can be a real weapon. Because yeah. of the matchups and, you know, drawing bigger guys out, taking smaller guys inside. I think we'll see more of that as the season goes on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, predictions, I know it's obviously it's early, but based off what we've seen so far between Purdue and other Big Ten teams, where do you think this team stacks up in the Big Ten standings? That's a, I, I think the Big Ten is interesting this year because, I mean, I think the winner of the Big Ten this year could finish like 14 and 6. Which, which is a little bit low because, you know, I, I do power rankings every week for Saturday tradition. Um, and I, I mean, you know, if, if Maryland is actually good, um, which they, they have good wins, they're five and oh, you know, I just think, I think we're in an era of, of basketball and college sports in general, where we need to quit uh, looking at what happened last year and assuming mm-hmm. that that's going to be what happens this year. I mean, look at Illinois in football. Um, just because Illinois was bad last year and the year before and the year before doesn't mean they're going to be bad right now because of the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think you can make assumptions like you used to be able to. And so Maryland might actually be good. Um, and if Maryland's good and if Penn State keeps hitting 13 three-pointers a game and shooting 47% from, from long range – uh, and if Wisconsin does the Wisconsin things that it always does, and if Chucky Hepburn starts to get rolling a little bit better and, you know, Rutgers gets healthy and uh, Michigan has a lot of talent, if those guys start to gel and, you know, you just keep going down the list, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, Indiana, Illinois, uh, even even Northwestern has uh, some guys in its backcourt who scare you. Um, and, you know, I don't know that that means they're going to finish 500 in the league, but on a day they could maybe beat you. Um, and I think it's a deep, I think, I don't know if there's a marquee, like great, great team. Um, but there, it's a pretty deep league. I I have Purdue fifth right now. I don't know. It seems 
reasonable. Uh, could they win the whole thing? Maybe if things fall the right way. Uh, could they finish way down the list? I, you know, I don't. I wouldn't anticipate that. Um, but you know, stranger things have happened, I suppose. Is but, it? Uh, they seem to be right in the mix, in my opinion. Sort of with everyone else. I mean, I, I would. There's nobody. The only teams I would say aren't in the mix are Minnesota and Nebraska. Right. Maybe Northwestern. Everybody else is, yeah. and even Northwestern's been okay. Yeah. Everybody else sort of right there together. Is IU as good as everybody thinks they are? I think they're pretty good. I, I, you know, we'll try to set the bias aside a little bit. I, I think the Hoosiers are pretty good. I think they still need to show us something, um, you know, from from a shooting perspective a little bit. But they are deeper than they have been. Um, you know, even last year, they're just really, you know, last year, what are they? They're four guys, really. I mean, they're just playing four on five and not really getting much off the bench. They, you know, Malik Reno is a a, a, a good player, um, really good player. And, you know, he's going to come off the bench and give you 12 and six every game. Another front court uh, presence who, who could be starting for a lot of teams. And so I, I think that, even if Indiana doesn't shoot as well as what they hope to shoot, they're deeper. Um, and, and so they'll be able to, to beat some teams. Will they win the big 10? Uh, I think Illinois will be right there. I think Illinois is pretty good. I think they're, you know, they're a good squad. They've got some transfers in there, you know, Terrence Shannon jr. Being the, the biggest one, but some others, um, including the big guy who, you know, transferred mid year last year and, and set out during the spring. Um, who are really really good? I think they're going to be they're going to be a team to watch for sure. Yeah, and just think if Kofi didn't leave. <laughs> and yeah, maybe you don't have somebody else on their team that they do now. I think his name's pronounced Dane Dane Dijon, something like that. I hope I'm saying that right. But he's the Baylor, the other Baylor transfer with the the transfer bid year last year, and he's been great. I mean, another big body. Uh, you know, not not Kofi Coburn, but he still can rebound and defend and you know, have some presence in the, in the middle. He's been, he's been really good. And that's been a good team. They lost to Virginia the other day, but look, you know, we know what, uh, you know, Virginia's a, a good team, but also was playing for uh, uh, inspired, a, yeah. a, a, a bigger reason to yeah. the, the tragedy that happened on that campus. So I, I don't, uh, def- I don't fault Illinois uh, too much for losing, losing that game a day after they beat UCLA. So yeah. pretty good, pretty good weekend. Yeah. Tanner, anything else to add to that? Yeah, I kind of have Purdue right in the middle too. Fifth, uh, sixth. I think I had them sixth on my on our basketball episode, and unfortunately, I had Indiana first. And I caught some flack from some Purdue people, which which I'd be disappointed if they didn't give me any flack. But I said said on paper they should be number one. They're the oldest team in the league by far. They're starting fives older than four NBA teams starting fives. Uh, but I thought Kyle made a great point. Today, in the age of college athletics, especially basketball with the transfer rule, it's so hard going into the season to know who's going to be good and who's not. I mean, I was looking at Illinois' roster. They had seven or eight newcomers this year, including transfers, and most of those guys have shown out to be really good so far. So I think they're going to be in the mix. Michigan State's better than I thought they were going to be. Um, but it's so early on, it's tough to tell. I mean, you know, I didn't think Gonzaga was going to get handled by Texas the way they did. Um, but then they turn around, they handled Kentucky pretty easily the other night so it's it's really night in night out it's anybody's ball game this early in the season but i i agree with kyle i think the big 10 is gonna be pretty deep and it's gonna be uh for an entertaining league to watch that's yeah. for sure and if purdue my goal for purdue every year is get that double buy in the big 10 tournament if they yeah. can finish in the top four keep that double buy streak going then they're having a pretty good year yeah for sure I don't want to keep you guys too much longer i know we, we're hey we're approaching uh thanksgiving it's almost time to eat this week so <laughs> And we know Kyle likes to eat. He's told me. I, I know. I know how to eat. Yes. <laughs> Professional eater. As we're kind of wrapping up here, I just want to open up the floor for any brief uh, discussions on other topics, other sports. I'll just mention quickly, I'm excited for uh, Purdue women's basketball, what Katie Gerald has been able to do so far. Uh, what should have been year one for her is now year two. Off to an undefeated start as well. So their competition will start picking up as well here soon. Uh, they got the tournament in Mexico, I believe, this week as well. Uh, just thoughts maybe on on that or any other sports you guys want to you know kind of talk about real quickly before we uh, wrap up. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Katie well from her playing days, and uh, she's uh, she's going to mold that roster as quickly as she can into sort of what she feels like 21st century women's basketball is, and that's 
you know, being able to get up and down the court and score. And they've been able to do that, uh, uh, you know, and now in her second year. Now, how will that equate when they start paying a little bit better competition? We will see. Uh, they're not real big, but I, I, I don't know that you have to be huge uh, either. Um, but if you can run around and shoot the ball a little bit, you can beat some teams. So I, I would expect that they will, you know, they came close at times last year, mm -hmm. knocking off some teams that maybe yeah. you didn't feel like they were going to. But I, I think they'll knock off some teams this year. Does that mean NCAA tournament? I, I really don't know. Um, but, uh, man, you, you'd like to see her rebuild that program. I, I think she will. She's definitely headed in the right direction. That's yeah, for sure. sure. And she said, you know, we talked about the transfer portal. I mean, Laisha and then us Harper, you know, two girls have been amazing this year and really helped yeah. the team, especially with that scoring department. So, and of course, getting Janae Terry to stick around. I know she entered the portal initially, but then decided to stay and you know, almost a triple double machine right there. So, yeah. yeah, you're right, Kyle. I mean, she's, if there's anybody who's going to do it, it's her. Man, I'm excited the, the, the direction the program's going. Yeah. It seems like every time I come on this podcast, we talk about how it's a good time to be a Boilermaker uh, outside just basketball and football. And, you know, you look at the recruiting landscape right now, women's basketball top 25 recruiting class. Dave Shondell on the volleyball team, the number three ranked recruiting class, I believe, including the number one ranked player in the nation, which is something to get really excited about. I know we, we talk about him quite a bit when I come on this podcast and what he's built at Purdue and what he continues to build. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe the softball team had a top 25 recruiting class too. So really neat to see when you see these sports that aren't your two huge money-making sports having so much success. And, you know, I still think a lot of that ties back to what Morgan Burke did. And, mm -hmm. and he's on my mind right now because he just got into the Purdue university uh, hall of fame, which was neat to see. And, and, uh, definitely a, um, a, a much deserved honor. And, um, Boiler uh, football legend, Stu Swagger was also the headline there. Stu's was one of my favorites growing up and, uh, and I know he's still around the Lafayette community, so it's it's good to see him get in the uh, the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you mentioned you mentioned volleyball. I got to take my uh, oldest daughter up to her Purdue, first Purdue volleyball game this past uh, week. Unfortunately, I lost to Penn State, but an exciting atmosphere. I finally get to experience Holloway, and just uh, the 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 atmosphere was really cool. And she had a blast, so that was awesome. You mentioned wrestling is off to a great start again this year. Uh, they had uh, just won the duels this uh, weekend, and they you mentioned the top 25 class, of course. And Kyle can talk a little more in length about this if he wants to <laughs> Purdue baseball, you know, and maybe not ranked right now. Um, I don't know uh, where their recruiting class uh, finished, but they got off that amazing start last year where they got in the top 20, I believe at one point and got some excitement behind that program. Anybody who knows me knows coach Goff is one of my favorite people. I, I love him and I uh, just uh, success that I hope he continues to have at Purdue, but Kyle knows that program better than anybody else. But yeah, Tanner, you're right. It, you know, there's a lot of excitement around a lot of programs up at Purdue right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, Greg Goff, I think is, is got the program headed in the right direction for sure. And, you know, it's always difficult with baseball recruiting because there are, you know, so many guys and class sizes and people coming and going from a, from a draft perspective. And these days too, you know, you have the, the COVID year, not only for division one, but I don't know if you know this, but, JC players in baseball get two COVID years. Oh, wow. So it just adds all sorts of <laughs> complications to, and I don't know how golf or any baseball coach figures this stuff out with 11.8 scholarships and guys coming and going and all that. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, got off to a really good start last year. I think the schedule will be a little bit more difficult this year and maybe test this team a little bit, uh, a little bit more early on in the year. And, uh, you know, maybe Purdue will have some veterans who are, who are ready for those type of challenges, uh, but it should be another good year. I, I expect that he'll be able to put together a competitive team uh, every season um, and, you know, hopefully continue to, to move up. I mean, you look at, you know, what he's done the first few years, you know, sort of taking over in a transition type year and then the COVID year. And then, you know, last year getting into the big 10 tournament, you know, they're moving in the right direction. That's for sure. Awesome. And I'll use that as a segue to promote your, uh, your own podcast there, Kyle. No, I, I wore the sweatshirt yeah. <laughs> uh, on, on purpose. Uh, actually I, I didn't, I just happened to wear it, but uh, talk a little, uh, my brother and I drew who uh, does color for home baseball games with me and goes on the road occasionally and fills in for me. Uh, we do a, a baseball big 10 baseball centric podcast that we release on 
Tuesdays, uh, I think. Sometimes Wednesdays, right? That was a debate last year. We bounce back and forth a little (laughs) bit. It's usually, if everything goes well, it's Tuesday morning, sometimes Wednesday morning. But we we, we release them weekly, uh, try to talk to coaches around the Big Ten. Uh, Coaches in in SID offices around the league have really embraced us because there's just not enough uh, Purdue baseball, excuse me, Big Ten baseball uh, coverage out there. Um, And, you know, we've, we've talked to coaches and players and, Try to keep people up to date on what's going on, um, and we've gotten some pretty pretty good traction with it for sort of a, a niche podcast, which has been uh, exciting. People recognize us and talk to us occasionally when we're uh, on the road <laughs> with with Purdue baseball, which is which is sort of nice. But we have fun with it, um, and uh, and it's a good time. That's cool. Hey, you wore your sweatshirt. I wore my Purdue baseball jersey for anybody yeah. watching watching this <laughs> online as well. Uh, and then of course, uh, Tanner, getting just a chance to promote your podcast as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I'm one of three hosts of the Boiler Breakdown podcast. I think this is our fourth year we've done the podcast. Uh, we cover Purdue football, Purdue basketball. We try to come out with an episode every week. Um, we used to have a set day. Now it's just whatever day works with our schedules since there's three of us doing the podcast more weeks than not. Uh, we take a break in the spring and let Kyle and his brother uh, hold down the fort there with the baseball talk. Um, but but we mix in some trivia episodes in the summer, and we just did one um, – right before basketball started and did some basketball trivia. So we, we like to have fun with a few trivia episodes. We have some guests and some interviews on once in a while. Um, but yeah, you can uh, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to your, uh, your, your podcast ad, and you can uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at boiler break pod. Awesome. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And you guys have been come uh, just become some great friends of mine through this podcasting thing. And I really appreciate you guys and just your insight and, also, you're just, you know, your love for Purdue as well. So it's been awesome getting to know you guys over the last couple of years and then have you on the podcast a, a few times as well. So uh, thank you guys. Anything else to say as we're wrapping up? Uh, let's boil it up, hammer down, and uh, keep that bucket in West Lafayette. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks, awesome. Adam. Yeah, thank you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys enjoy the holidays. Thanks. Boiler up. A reminder, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod, and you can find the full video interviews on the Fox 59 and CBS4 website. You can also listen to, subscribe, like, and or comment on the podcasts on all the major podcast platforms, including now on Amazon Podcasts as well. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.